everything you build needs to be scalable, dynamic, something that you know what's gonna break if it does break, because you don't wanna be caught and have a year's worth of work just trying to untangle things. Welcome to the OpStars podcast, where we talk to revenue operations pros at the top of their game so that we can collectively support each other through the sharing of ideas, learning best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. I'm your host, Don Opfos. So thank you for joining another episode of the OpStars podcast. Today we have with us uh, Sean Frazier, who is the VP of Revenue Operations at Dental Intelligence, who is headquartered in Salt Lake City. What does Dental Intelligence do? It's a SaaS company, but it's for dentists, right? It's pretty cool going from, I've been in horizontal markets before where you sell to everybody and this is a very vertical market. We have a specific tech that is just for dental offices. Helps them with a couple of things, their analytics of their office, because dentists go to dental school and they don't get taught how to run a business. And then they get kicked out with a half million dollars of debt and said, here, go run a business. And so that's where our technology comes into play and helps them run their business and then helps them get patients in the door and kind of the whole suite of dental software. That's cool. So now I would imagine if I think about like revenue operations and what we talk about on the podcast, you know, like one of the foundational things to start off with is to make sure that you have a well-defined ICP, you know who your target market is. And when you go to buy data that, you know, you're buying the right data. So I imagine for dental intelligence, that's pretty easy. I mean, you pretty much, the only people you're going to sell to are dentists. Okay. I mean, the amount of time that you spend on these ICP exercises of who's our ideal market, who's this in these horizontal markets, we don't have to do that. But it, it creates its own challenges when you're only selling in that. So if you go to some like a Zoom info or some really big uh, normal data enrichment tool, they might not have exactly what you need. And if you're only needing that, it creates its own problems. So you have to be creative on how you get your data as well. So, so what it goes to say is like, even at a company like Dental Intelligence, you're probably not going to just one source for your data. You probably have a lot of different sources. And I would think for dentists, you're even further specialized. You probably have your own secret sauce of like how you make sure you find like brand new dentists, fresh products that are starting their practice that are probably prime for your service. And it's hard because you do have to go to multiple sources. You can't just say, I know that this source is the number one source for these people. So then you go buy multiple sources, multiple lists, you get data enrichment, and then guess what? You have duplicates like you wouldn't believe because you have, everybody has a slightly different name, dental offices, share offices. So the amount of work on the RevOps side to try to clean that data, it will never end. I don't think any of us in RevOps pretend like we have clean data. I think we're too deep into it to understand we don't, but this is a whole new bag because you have to get it from multiple sources and they layer on top of each other and it can be a nightmare. So we've had to do a lot of different systems to make sure we can get as clean of data as we can. Yeah, I, that didn't even cross my mind. I mean, you probably have somebody who is an independent LLC with their name. They probably, or they incorporate or they have multiple offices. That, see, that didn't even cross my mind. I didn't even think about it. All. So that's what you deal with. That's what you deal with day to day. I'm sure it's, yeah, I'm sure it keeps you busy. <laughs> How big is the RevOps team at Dental Intelligence? So we have myself and it's changed quite a bit. So when I got there, there was actually two teams of operations, kind of a classic startup where you just do what you need to. So the sales team had their own ops. They had operations, had their own pseudo ops and all of this. So 
I combined all those teams and we started out with about five of us. I've pared that down to three and then two contractors that we use. So I have a dedicated Salesforce admin and he is across the entire company doing everything from marketing all the way to post-sale. And then I just got an amazing new Salesforce admin and she's gonna be focused on marketing and sales. And then I have another Salesforce admin slash CS operations admin, and she's focused on anything post-sale. And then we have some contractors that help us out with Salesforce, the development side of things, and then some Tableau data side of things as well. Got it. And I think when we were talking uh, previously, you, you had mentioned like, this is really your first leadership role, leading a team. I call it grew up. I grew up at Bandway HR, where I was an individual contributor all the way through having actually a larger team. That was the shorter section of my time at, at Bamboo HR. But so this role has been interesting because I started when I was at Bamboo HR, I was employee number 200 and something. When I left, there was 1100. So the way that I know leadership was in a larger organization where there's so many layers and things are slow and that whole thing. Coming over to now a smaller company in a leadership role right off the bat, it was a bit of a, a new experience for me trying to understand that your hands aren't always going to be on the keyboard. You need to be making these strategic decisions. And it's hard coming from someone who prides himself and like, I'm the get it done guy. And now you're telling me not to do that and to make sure you're delegating. It's been a ride to learn how to be more of a leader than a, than a, than a doer. And I think I've gotten better and better. I don't think I'll ever be all the way there. I have too much of getting it done in my blood, but been a fun journey. When you have a lot of pride in what you do, it tends to be harder to delegate. Uh, I mean, at least that's what I found. There's a fear mixed in with like, you're not going to know how to do it the way I do it, you know, and then therefore it's not going to be right. Whereas sometimes as a leader, you just kind of have to let that go and, and let people make mistakes and then you guide them, you mentor them and, and then they grow and then, you know, hopefully they would, they can, they can then make that shift in their career too. Cause like, but I always tell people too, like every, everyone that I've ever worked with, it's like, you know, the likelihood of me retiring from lean data or you retiring from dental intelligence is extremely low, right? So you really want to make sure that the people that you're working with, that you're helping them grow and their capacity and their abilities and see them grow in their career. At the end of the day, I think as leaders, like that's what we want to have done. So, the, so it's funny, you, I know you mentioned you just recently hired a Salesforce admin, correct? Yep. And we got into the subject of interview questions and then I made me laugh because and I think you laughed too, because like this ends up being one of the questions I ask everybody on the podcast is like, well, gee, how did you get into RevOps? Because nobody like jumps into this career. It's usually a shift from something else. So what is the interview question that you ask? One of the very first questions I ask is, how did you accidentally become in operations? I think nowadays people do go into school and their early career saying, I want to do that. I've talked to a lot of early sales like SDRs that I've helped along and they've said, how do I get in RevOps? That wasn't the case. I mean, two years ago, maybe at the, it wasn't. So everybody accidentally becomes in RevOps and in Salesforce in general. So yeah, that's my first interview question every time. So let me ask you, like, what is your story? How did you accidentally become a RevOps professional? In college, I had an accounting degree. I thought I was going to get into finance. And then during college, I started selling houses. I was a real estate agent and that grew into a very successful team. I was partnered with a couple of very successful agents. We ended up having a full team. We had 
the whole thing. And on paper, it looked amazing. I was making tons of money and everything was great. And then I was also incredibly depressed, to be honest. It just wasn't right for me. The lifestyle wasn't right for me. So I took a drastic career shift. I went to some people and said, like, what else is out there? So I became a sales rep for Qualtrics, which is kind of like the the unicorn of of Utah. It was right down the road for me. And, uh, you know, the founder owns the jazz now. So they're they're a big deal. So uh, so I was there for only about six months. And another person that had a smaller company that I knew, he said, come over, help us build this sales team because you've built a team before. Now you have sales SaaS experience, come help. And it sounded like a great opportunity. So I went over there and that's really where I hear most of these stories happening is small company, you're the do everything guy. And then I slowly merged from sales and then I went to, Hey, can you help with marketing? Can you help with Salesforce? Can you run this report? Can you help us with pricing? And all of a sudden I was doing RevOps. I didn't know I was doing RevOps, but mo- majority of my job was what we would call RevOps. And then that company ended up going down a different road and they got bought out by one of their customers actually. And they're part of Qualtrics, part of SAP now, right? No, no, no. So I left Qualtrics, went to a smaller company that called Mozenda. And so they got bought out by Bain. I went really from there, I was looking for, I was still like in this journey, like what do I want to do when I grow up kind of journey. And so I was doing research and I decided I'm just going to go after a company that has the values that I want, that I just want to put my roots in. Cause I figured if I can get in somewhere, I will work harder than anybody else. I will do what it takes to do whatever that journey takes me. So I found a marketing automation role in Bamboo HR, which was well known around here being you know, one of the best companies to work for is always on the top 10 list. So I got really creative. I made a website for myself. I sent it to the HR. I sent them videos. I put them on a drip campaign, the hiring manager on a drip campaign, the whole thing. got that job. And so I was in marketing for a while. And then only, I think it was seven, eight months in, the head of operations who ended up being my mentor and an amazing friend of mine, Trevor Rawls, he told me, he's like, we need someone to run sales ops. And I was like, that sounds great. I had no idea what sales ops was still. I mean, it was just this thing. So I interviewed for that role, got that role. And then from there, it was just me and another guy. And we just grinded through it. And it ended up building, building. And, and we were very successful. And I ended up getting marketing. And then eventually I was rev ops. And then over, I just moved roles a lot and team people under me and everything. So I really grew up there. And then from there, I kind of got to the point where everybody gets to where it was just, I learned a ton and I'll never not love that time in my life, but it was time to go to maybe a faster company, someone that wasn't as big. We were getting to that point where everything kind of slowed down. And I had this great opportunity at Dental Intelligence and to come over as their director of RevOps. At that point, I, I knew what I was doing. I felt pretty confident. I knew what I was doing. So I came over as director of RevOps, combined a couple of teams together, had to hire a few people. I had to let some people go, the whole thing. And And then what was really cool is my former chief revenue officer from Bamboo joined me over at Dental Intelligence. And so we're back together, which is really good cohesion there. And then from there, that team's grown. I'm now the VP of RevOps and I work really closely with the C. I'm on the CFO's team, but the CRO and I, and that's, we're very tight and it's really fun time in life right now to really. It's a very strong dotted line. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let me ask you this. So from the time that you graduated college to the time that you made the shift over to knowing you wanted to, to get out of real estate and move into something SaaS, what was that time frame? 
It was like six years. So I, I think the point there is like, it's never too late to, to, to make a change and think, you know, hey, maybe what I'm doing isn't the right thing. Like maybe I should do sales ops instead of sales. Tell you what, I mean, I tell this to everybody. Don't limit yourself to one thing. I mean, you can change in the middle of your life. It does not matter, especially nowadays with there are paths into operations. You can go get Salesforce certifications and you can go get seven of them in two years. You can really buckle down on your own time. And in four more years, you're making six figures. You can change and not even that. It doesn't even take that long. It takes a ton of effort, though. But you can make a change anytime. And I tell that to anybody that's, you know, man, I'm stuck in sales. I want to get out. Start going to educate yourself. You either have to have experience or education. And education is easy to come by. So with the internet and everything and conferences and all that. So go get education and you can change your career in a second. The one thing that I, that I think I've found at the companies that I've worked at, when I look back at like Yammer and even like SalesLoft and we do it even at Lean Data, the SDR function ends up being something that people can do where they learn a lot very quickly. And then once they've cut their teeth and they've proven, I know enough about this product that I can, I can get a meeting with just about anybody for a sales rep. And, you know, knowing that much about your product or service makes you dangerous in the sense that you can now really do anything you want. And I think back at like sales off and lean data and folks that started as SDRs and they went into RevOps, they went into marketing, they went into product, they went into support, they went into CSM. The, the SDR function at any, you know, high growth tech startup is a great foot in the door for someone that's like, you know, okay, I don't want to do real estate anymore, but I'm getting sales. I want to get into tech. Take a look at being a sales development rep. You very easily can parlay that into that entry-level function of being an SDR. And then once you're an SDR and you're there for a year and a half, you know, the world's kind of your oyster if you're at the right company. <laughs> yeah, if you're at a high-growth company that's always having openings, also on your own time, get certified in Salesforce and HubSpot. There's tons of certifications. Another thing I look at when I'm hiring, I've hired through the SDRs. I've hired AEs and SDRs before. A lot of people look at RevOps as the way out and I try to weed those people out because... I want people that want it. So I look at interesting things. I look at pipeline hygiene. I look at how well are you organized? I actually want someone, one of the best RevOps sales ops people I've hired, his name's Brennan. He was a better organizer of his leads and of his pipeline than he was a sales rep. He had everything color coordinated. Everything was amazing. And he was a 75% sales rep. And I was like, you're my guy. Because you care more about making sure everything's pristine and organized than you did about learning, you know, the sales craft. And some of the best sales reps, as we all know, the unicorns out there that are amazing, their pipeline hygiene sucks and they're not organized. It's like, I'm not going to hire you, even though you're an amazing sales rep. You need to find that latent passion that you can tell that they, you know, what is the latent passion that they have? Because it could be RevOps, it could be something else. A good leader will be able to identify that and then help that person make that shift. In, into that into that role. So yeah, so like same for me too. Like SDRs that come to me and like, Don, how do I get into RevOps? And I'm like, go get certified. And I, I will tell you, I think there's two or three folks, no, God, more, four, since I've been at Lean Data, there were SDRs that wanted to get into RevOps. And I'm like, go get your Salesforce admin certification. Well, the, one of the nice things about Lean Data and that we're a, a Salesforce partner is they provide us credits to go get our team certified. So it's like, you could do it for free. Like it, you just need to put in the effort. You need to do it on your own time, but it's not going to cost you anything to do it. 
And man, if, if someone takes that step and they're like, wow, you know what? I really like this. Those are the right people to move into the role. Absolutely. And I love hiring those people. No, it's awesome. It sounds like dental intelligence is a great culture. It's a great work environment. Very specific for what you guys do. And it's funny. I think back to like when I go to the dentist, right? Like I just had a tooth pulled, right? And they sit there and they make and they make your appointment and they pull up that Windows, where's that Windows app that they use where they're, they're and they're just like, oh, wow, what are you like? You guys don't have a session? Like, what is this? Like, there's definitely a market for what you guys do. There is. And it's starting to get more crowded because it's there. So, and that's another fun challenge that we're dealing with is we used to be the the only, you know, and then now people are seeing the same thing. The barrier of entry for SaaS is becoming much less. And so, and that's another thing you deal with challenging when you're a high growth company, you have other people that are going to target you, especially when you were the leader. And so now it's becoming harder and harder and we're seeing that. It's just fun challenges. That's cool. So what is it that you're working on today that you're, you're really excited about? Like what is project you have going on at Dental Intelligence that you can, that you can share that you're trying to implement and you're really enjoying? So I think in any SaaS company, we're all dealing with almost the exact same thing. I've talked to a lot of leaders and it's that PE firms that own us or the VCs or even the founders, they've all of a sudden it's efficiency, 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 but somehow stay growing and that rule of 40 still applies and all of these things. So we're caught in this really weird place where it's be really efficient and grow like we used to grow. We used to be able to be in the red and spend all this money in marketing and everything to get this high growth, but now they want efficiency profitability, and high growth. You can only have three, right? But <laughs> two of the three. So it's been a very interesting challenge because things like rep churn kills you as a SaaS company. If you have some of your top reps leave, especially if it's small, you have things like sales efficiency of how much, what's your CAC payback? What's your marketing CAC? All of these metrics that now are even more important. So it's been a super interesting shift and it's almost like you have to reinvent yourself every time the market decides to do something like this. And so what I've been excited about is we've been looking at things. We've had leadership changes. We've had all sorts of changes. So we've been looking at things that are, I don't know, maybe I'm a super nerd here, but I love the fundamentals. I love when you can make a big impact on things that you would think are fairly simple. So things like, does the CRO have everything they need to make good decisions? Does the CFO have everything they need? Does the CEO have everything they need? Do all the sales managers and directors have everything they need? The visibility, because everybody knows this whole thing. You build the dashboard, you build a tableau report, you build whatever, and everybody is stoked on it. And three months later, nobody's using it. The dashboard looks completely different because some Joe in sales decided to change everything and you didn't even know they had permissions to do that. You know, the, the song and dance. And then you look back at it and you're like, this is wrong. And uh. so we've been building some really cool things in Tableau that are very basic, but very useful. So things like just recently, we built a timeline of when calls are being made by the sales reps by hour. Then when are we getting a hold of them? I call it meaningful conversations. And all I do there, it's very simple. If the call is longer than 90 seconds, it counts. Because all I want to know is, are you talking to a human? Or are you faking it? Because let's be honest. So I want to know when am I getting a hold of people? When are they calling? And then I overlay that with when are opportunities being created? Because I want to see at the same time. I know there's going to be some sort of delay, but we have some automation that right after a demo, if it goes well and they complete it, it creates an opportunity for them. 
so I can see when actual opportunities. So you overlay that. And now we saw that we had a gap in East Coast time because we're Mountain Standard Time. So we saw that there was a lot of people. We were by default working East Coast or Mountain Time. So most of the United States lives on the other side of the Mississippi, most of them. So we saw that gap. So we made a really cool shift where we had some SDRs and AEs volunteer to be at that 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And what we did, a little pro tip here to get the AEs to want to do that, we're implementing where the SDRs, they're calling the sets that go from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. only go to the AEs that are willing to work from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. So there's a little carrot of why they're working at seven, because otherwise I'm just asking them to for whatever reason. That's a really cool thing. And getting down to these fundamentals and you find really cool little nuggets in very simple things. We all want to jump right to the, I want to tracking on who's on our website right now. And then it notifies this person and this person calls them. Well, also maybe let's focus on when we're calling, how we're calling, and then implementing call recordings. We've implemented call, a new call scoring rubric, a new one-on-one -on -one template for the directors to talk forecasting. I built a new forecasting mechanism that we have all the directors get together in our forecasting meeting. So all of these fundamentals create more efficiency across the reps because that's what we're really going for. We're trying to keep the growth and make them all more efficient. So it's not just a game of let's hire more people to get more MRR. Let's make the reps we currently have better. And then, so let's call at the right times. Let's have the right cadences. Let's A-B test everything we're doing. Let's make sure we're forecasting. So it's been really fun going back to the fundamentals and saying, all right, New game, not growth at all costs, efficiency and growth. But Sean, where's the AI, man? AI is the buzzword in warm-offs. Like, I didn't hear you say anything about AI and like how it's changing your life. That's been an interesting thing. We are implementing all that cool stuff. And I'm sure everybody, when this is released, is either before or after Dreamforce. So it's going to be the whole topic. But right now, AI is helping us in very basic ways. It's getting me faster at helping create formulas and all of those things. But no, right now I am not put going all in on it. Not that it's not super important. It will be. And I, my team is using it every day as far as like helping them be more efficient at their job. But we need to make sure that our reps are doing the things they need to do and not trying to go so far into the top of the pyramid when you haven't figured out the bottom of the pyramid yet. And I think that's the whole point, right? Like AI doesn't really, AI isn't really going to do anything for you if you don't have the basics nailed down. And whenever your company changes, I promise you go back to the basics. Every time, if there's a new, a new thing that's coming out, even a new comp plan, anything that's a drastic change to your organization, go back to what are the directors using every day? What are the managers using every day? What are the reps using? Who's seeing all the data? And I promise you, you will find gaps that are like pretty jarring gaps that you need to fix before you move on to all the cool things that you can do with AI. That's cool. And the other thing I think we talked about too is how you are going back to stakeholders and asking them where their issues lie and then drilling into the symptoms in a way that really gets to the problem rather than trying to address the symptom and put a bandaid on it. So can you walk through like what you're doing there as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few things that I like to do when I'm seeing my team is solving symptoms all the time. Something keeps breaking, they're solving it, even if it's a quick fix. So about at least every, every half year, I try to do it every quarter. I take a group and for example, I did it with a group of AEs recently and I like to do affinity sessions, which is simple enough. All you do is you get a problem statement. 
My problem statements I like to use are one of two things. What would break if? So I like to use what would break if we doubled the size of the sales team? So that's going to bring out a lot of the scalability issues that you have because the reps are going to go, oh man, we have all these rules of engagement issues. We have lead routing issues. I have to do this and this. And so they'll say, man, if we doubled it, that's going to blow things up so that you can identify things that aren't scalable. Then the other thing that I asked, which is the most recent one I asked, is what would have to be true if? So what would have to be true? What would have to be true too? What would have to be true to double your MRR? What would have to be true to double your sales? And then what you do is you have them either virtually or in person. The in-person version is sticky notes. Everybody has sticky notes and they write it down and they put it up on the whiteboard and you just put them up and it's just everybody puts sticky notes up there. Virtually, I've done it through Google Sheets, through Lucid Charts, anything like that. So they write all that stuff up and then you walk up to the front and you read each one and you categorize it. So things like better lists to call. Okay, better lists to call. Another one might be like, I need cleaner lists to call. Okay, it's a better list to call. So you start going through this and it's like cadences, better reply rates on cadences. And so you start categorizing them and then you end up having six or seven categories on the board. And then from there, you vote. And they're not the final say, but you're trying to get what the group thinks is the most important things. So you say, okay, each of you have five points to give. Five is the best. Then you have a four point or three, two all the way down. Then they bring up their sticky notes or virtually they'll have it and they score it. And then you score it down. And now you have a list of what the group thinks together is the categories to do either what would break or what, what needs to be true in order to double MRR. And then those are the things that you can take back to your leadership team. So your CRO, your VP of sales and say, okay, I went to the stakeholders, the people on the ground level, they think that these are the two things that are most important. You guys think that this is the most important thing. I think we can work on these things, but I'm going to prioritize this and this. And then you start assigning project managers on your team. So you say, hey, Samantha, I need you to project manage this and scope it out. Here are the people that were part of this exercise. Get after it. And so then you, you start doing that. And all of a sudden, you're working on the most important things. In my opinion, that's the best way to do is getting down to that ground level. So you're not, there's also this symptom of how many times do you think the leaders are saying one thing? But what's actually happening on the floor is a totally different thing. And if that lasts for too long, then you're going to go down this road and you're going to have to correct it and it takes forever. So getting down to those key stakeholders, bringing them in on the action has been super helpful to align both sides. So we're not just like off on this, like this goose chase on something that doesn't matter. Or there's just a big disconnect between what's happening on the ground and, and what your management believes. Oh, man. Yeah, or what they're saying to you or everything's fine, we're fine. And then someone, you know, we have three people quit that are your top three reps. And you're like, this wasn't fine. We just had 20 grand walk out the door. Like what's going on? So that happens all the time. That's great. And I think that is something also really important to think about, you know, when you're kind of in an economic downturn, you definitely want to make sure that you're prepared, you're aligned and you're prepared because inevitably this will turn around and we are going to start seeing growth again. If you're positioning yourself to grow in a way that doesn't break things and you've thought about it now, you're not thinking about it six months to a year from now, you are going to be that much more successful. Yeah. And I think that you need to continually think about what would break if that's something that I talk to my team a lot about when they're building something new. If all these people's roles change, what would break if we bought another company? Because I think that there will be a consolidation 
of SaaS companies, especially in vertical markets like mine. I just think that that's all the reports are coming out. Like that's the native next step is a bunch of companies that are similar, doing slightly different things. They'll consolidate. And as RevOps, that's terrifying. Think about a brand new CRM. They might be bringing, when I got here, we had just purchased a company. They were on HubSpot. They were using Asana as like their ERM and bringing those two together. Imagine how that works if it's two companies that are much larger and they look at RevOps and they say, hey, we need that. So everything you build needs to be scalable, dynamic, something that you know what's going to break if it does break, because you don't want to be caught and have a year's worth of work just trying to untangle things. No, that's absolutely true. Merging organizations, is some, that's a monster in and of itself to have to go through that and be on, a, on, be on the RevOps side of things. What is the one thing you would love to uh, leave with our listeners? What is the one thing you'd love to let the OpStars community know? This is probably a little different than your typical OpStars, but I would say when you're a leader of your team right now where there's so much uncertainty, you can go on LinkedIn and sometimes it looks like a graveyard and the obsession as a leader should be building up your team, people on your team to be so employable that they don't have to worry. And if that means that you make them so employable that you leave, they leave because there's a better opportunity, that's amazing. So all of us are a little bit, it's a little bit fearful. This is, we used to be in this, like you couldn't hire someone because there was nobody out there to hire. And now we flipped where we see layoffs constantly and all of that. So as a leader, if there's any opportunity to make your people more employable, do it. We shouldn't all have any fear about them leaving because, man, it's great if they move on to a better place. That's something that I think about a lot because I want that for myself. I want that for my team. And I think all of us should be thinking through how can you make yourself better every single day and how can you make the people on your team better every single day, even at the expense of maybe losing someone someday. And that's okay. I mean, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, where you really, you know, you're not going to retire from where you're working. At the end of the day, it's all about people. And if you think about it, you know, you work for people, not for companies. Absolutely. People always remember how you were treated, how you treated them, how they treated you. And, and that goes much farther than the life of an organization in some cases. You know, if the company folds, the company goes out of business, the company gets acquired. You, you go back. Well, Don, how many times have you worked with the same people five years later, eight years later, all the time? And we're all in this together. RevOps is a small world. And so if, it's not, I'm not talking about burning bridges. I'm, I'm actually talking about what's the opposite. How can you elevate everybody on your team and teach them as much as you can? If it took me 10 years to get here, I want my people to take five years to get here because then that's the next generation. I'm going to be better because of it. Because as I move on, I can be like, oh, that person rock star there. And they've grown up since then. And now let's, let's kill it. No, it's awesome. Sean, thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast. I know you and I, I think we've crossed paths at some point at Just After Rainmaker. We talked about this. We never connected on LinkedIn. I'm so glad that we're connecting now. You're very close to Franco uh, and Zini, our COO, a great individual. I should probably have him on the podcast, I think, at some point. So it was really good to have you. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. The Opstars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. 
On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.